Aren't you glad that His love and mercy follows you every single day? What a blessing that is. You may be seated. Well, we are really in for a wonderful, wonderful treat this morning. Um, Pastor Yogvan from the Faroe Islands has come to minister to us. And um, Pastor Yogvan, just to um, just give you a little bit of introduction to him, is working with the Billy Graham Association as they prepare for uh, the crusade that's going to happen in June. Pastor Yogvan is in Wales and in the region every uh, two weeks. He goes home for two weeks to pastor his church and then two weeks later he comes into Wales to just set up all of the administration for this amazing crusade that's going to take place in June. And we were able to go to um, a national prayer day yesterday held at the ICC conference. A number of us went from the church. Was, if you went, wasn't it a great day? And what a wonderful blessing it was, you know, just to see churches come together for the re- from the region to pray, you know, for our nation and as a whole and, and just pray for people to receive, to receive Christ. Pastor Yogvan pastors a church in the Faroe Islands called Livel Church and it means church under the shadow of the Almighty. What a name for a church. So why don't we welcome this morning Pastor, Pastor Yogvan as he comes to minister to us. Come on church, let's thank God for his servant. All right, bless you. What a welcome. It's great to be with you. King's Church. Wow. One day the skies are going to open. Actually, they're going to be ripped open. And out through them, a rider on a white horse will appear. With him, a great army. And those who ride with him are in white robes because they are cleansed by the blood of Christ. And as he comes riding, it says that he has a robe and it flies back. And on that name, on that robe, a name is written, a title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm so glad you're saying he is the King of Kings Church. It means that he has all authority. All the glory, everything belongs to Him. We are called to go out into the world to reach people for Jesus Christ. But before He even said that and gave us a command, He told His disciples and He tells us as He steps up and looks us into our faces and our eyes, and he says, by the way, before you go, I have been given all authority in heaven 
and in the earth. Therefore, in other words, on that basis, on the basis that Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, on the basis that all authority belongs to Him, you go. <laughs> what a mighty strength we are going in. Why are we scared? Why are we afraid when we serve the one who has been given all authority? There are two interesting Greek terms when it comes to authority or power. One is dunamis, from which we derive the word dynamite, explosive power. That's the word that is used in Acts 1.8 when he says, you, sh you shall be my witnesses when the Spirit comes and you receive power, dunamis. But Jesus uses another word here in, or, or there in Matthew 28 when it says all authority. That is the word egusia, which means that it is a legitimate power given by someone to a person to receive and have that power over someone. So we could illustrate that the difference between dunamis and egusia is, let's say that a criminal breaks into uh, a store and has a gun in his hand. He has dunamis. But then a police officer comes. He has also dunamis, but he has something else too. Egusia. Authority. Because it's been given to him. Or we could take football. 22 guys together, well, 11 on each team, running out there on the field. All of them have dunamis. They're strong. But then there's a little guy there. He has a whistle in his mouth. <laughs> he has a goosia. Because he has the authority over the game. And when Jesus says that I have been given all a goosia, it means that on the basis of the work Finished work on the cross. The Father has given me all authority in the world and in heaven. So when you go out there this week, there is a King of kings and Lord of lords walking before you, beside you, and behind you, protecting you, telling you what to say, giving you the authority of the power of His Word and the authority of the power of your testimony because your life as an individual, walking it with the King of Kings, receives His authority when you are intimate with Him. As Pastor Dave said, I come from the Faroe Islands. People often ask me, Faroe Islands, has that something to do with Egypt? And I say, well, I wish I was from the Pharaoh dynasty and all that. But actually, it's uh, north, in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean, between Iceland and Norway. And a whole nation, population of 50,000 people. We belong to Denmark. So we have our own language and culture. Danish is my second language. English, my, well third, fourth, or whatever. 
in our in our country we need to speak different uh, several languages in order to be able to communicate with the rest of the world. I was born there, and when I was two years old, my mother left me, and actually left her husband and the three boys. I was the youngest one of them. And I prayed every night to Jesus, and I said to him, Jesus, please bring my mom back, because the family is broken. And I prayed for 10 years. Every night. And when I was 12, he answered the prayer. And the answer was no. <laughs> and in my little heart, I began to become bitter. Because Jesus didn't answer my prayer. And I ended up, I left the church, I left, I stopped reading my Bible. I gave my life to Christ when I was a little boy. I can't remember when I did that, but I know that I did. Actually, I used to ask my father, Father, all my friends, they knew exactly when they were saved, where they were saved, what socks they were wearing, and all these different things. They know the details of, of everything. I can't remember. And then my father used to say to me, well, Jekvan, um, do you remember when you were born? And I said, no, no, of course not. And he said, well, do you believe that you are born? And I said, well, yeah, this is me. And then he said, well, you might not remember that you're born again. But you know that you're born again by the presence of Christ in your heart. What touches you? You know, when brokenness comes into our life, and I know that I speak to broken people this morning. As a Scottish preacher said, remember always to speak grace because there's a broken heart in every pew. Actually, there's a broken heart in every chair. And I became bitter, hated my mother, was angry at God, left everything. I come from a very musical family, very artistic family of musicians and painters, sculptors, writers, and so on. And I, find, I found my, my joy in music. I became a professional musician. been playing all, all kinds of instruments since uh, I was a little boy, but the bassoon, it looks like a bazooka, <laughs> if you know what it is. It's a classical instrument used in the symphony orchestra. And I became a professional musician studying music and got my master's and stuff in music. But did not live my life for Jesus. And the Spirit was prompting me all the time. You are in the wrong place. You're doing great things. But your heart is not in the right place. And uh, one of the cities that I studied in was Vienna in Austria. And my father, who is, uh, or was, he, he passed away two years ago. He was a full-time um, Bible teacher. And one of the things that he did and had a passion for was to bring um, food and Bibles and uh, Christian literature in, into 
Eastern Europe before the Iron Curtain fell. And this, uh, on this trip, he is going to Romania. This is before Ceausescu was, was killed. Um, and he said to me, we're actually driving through Vienna on our way to Romania. Do you have a few days to come, to come uh, with us? And I said, yeah, I do have a few days in my schedule. And I went with them to Romania. In that country, behind the Iron Curtain, curtain seeing the passion of the believers, seeing the joy of the believers receiving the gifts that we came, gave to them. And I had a little uh, doll for a girl, and this three-year-old girl that I kneeled down and I gave her this doll. And she jumped around my, my neck and she just held and I was kind of standing up, you know, you, you know what it's like when you're being hugged, and then the hug becomes too long. <laughs> it's like, oh. But it was a three-year-old's fine. But she wouldn't let go again. And it was th through that hug from this little girl from Romania, three years old, that a spirit prompted something in my spirit saying, it's time for you to come home, child. And I began that evening to say to God, I know that you have not left me alone. I was, by the way, 22 at the time. Ten years again. Away from God. And I came home. And God said to me, uh, as he did to Moses, yeah, what is it that you have in your hand? And I said, this is the bassoon. It looks like a staff, kind of. And as he did with Moses, and said, he said to me, throw it down. In other words, give it up. And I threw it down. But praise God that God said to Moses, now pick it up again. And he told me to pick it up again. Because it was through that staff, that was just a normal shepherd's staff for the 40 years that Moses was in the wilderness. That staff, the same one, became the one that he led the people of Egypt, Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. It was with that staff that he called the plague over Egypt. It was with that staff that he split the Red Sea and led the people across. And in the same way that God has used music in my life, to do something far beyond standing on the great stages of the, the uh, concert halls of Europe. To be able to mu use music in that way. So I went home again to the Pharaohs, met my wife there. That he had been hidden, hiding from me until I came. You know, like the prince on the white horse who just came there. And she was just taken off her feet and, and she became mine. It lasts about three weeks, and then she begins to see the cracks in all the white on the horse, you know, that was trying to paint white. And, well, she married me anyway. So we went to America to, to study the Bible, and we, we went for one year, and we planned to just to do it for one year. I would go back into music, and she would go back into teaching, and... Uh, one year became two years, two years became three, 
And we ended up five years in the States studying theology. I began preaching at that time. And I used to ask my wife, so how did I do? <laughs> and she said, well, you're really good with words. And the way that you move and present your message and the way that you structure it is great. But I want to tell you lovingly that there's no power in what you say. Because you don't practice what you preach. You talk about love. You talk about forgiveness. You talk about all these things that are true scripturally. But I still see the hate that you have for your mother. And I see the unforgiveness. And you tell people to love, but you don't love your mother. You tell people to forgive, but you are not yet given, forgiven your mother. And that rebuke or that love sent me on a journey with her help, walking beside me, learning to forgive my mother. And I, began, and I hadn't seen my mother's mother for years, and I wouldn't have anything to do with her. And I began to pray with my wife, saying, God, will you help me to forgive my mother? And one evening, I knelt down on my, by my bed, and I said, God, tonight I'm ready to forgive, just to let go. And it was like a burden fell out of my, uh, of my life, from my back. And I, I could breathe better. And I was like, praise Jesus, I have forgiven my mother. And my wife said, that's great, but now you're going to call her. And I was like, oh, man. Isn't it, isn't it enough just to tell God that I've forgiven her? And she said, that's great, but it's not enough. So I called my mother. I hadn't spoken to her for years. And I said, hi, this is Yekvan. And I just want to tell you that I'm on a journey. And I just want to tell you also that when you left and the things that had happened, has happened in my life has been very difficult to, to walk with, but I forgive you. And I don't remember the conversation because there was so much crying and so on. And then I said, praise Jesus, I have spoken to my mother and I have forgiven her. And my wife said, that's great. But you call her again. And she said, this time, you ask her forgiveness. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, the way that you are talked about your, your mother, the way that you have slandered her, the way that you have just trampled her name in front of me and, and the people that we are together with, you need to ask forgiveness. So I called my mother again. And I said, Mother, I want you to forgive me. And then I said, praise Jesus. And my wife said, that's wonderful. You're not finished yet. This summer, so that, that is about 25 years ago, we are going to spend a summer with them visiting and she lives in Norway by the way so we went to Norway that summer 
and spent the summer with her and her husband. Since then, my mother has been coming to my home every year. And I visit her regularly. I love my mother. So sometimes when I ask my wife, so how did you like my message today? You're good with words. You know how to behave on a stage. Yeah. There was some power there, too. Sometimes she says that. You see, if you truly walk with the King of Kings, He's not going to leave you alone. Just to walk as you wish. And I know that there are people here today who struggle with the issue of forgiveness. Uh, there might be things that, that has, have been done to you that are far worse than what I have experienced. But I do know this. Forgiveness is not just a thing that you, you just say, well, I forgive. Forgiveness is a journey. For some people, it's a long journey. And I want to tell you that in the, in, the, in the eyes of Christ, that forgiveness process begins the moment that you decide that I'm going to go on that journey of forgiveness. I don't know where you are on that journey. Maybe you're not ready to, to come to the place yet where you actually go to the person. But are you on that journey? Because it's on the journey. It's always on a journey because we are so journeys throughout this world where God is working in your heart and my heart. And therefore, it's, it's such a joy for me to, to, to actually be standing here this morning and just being able to share what God has done in our lives. And 20 years ago, my wife and I went back to the Faroe Islands, and the Lord laid on our hearts to start a church. And we started with five, or we, we were the fifth family in our living room and we are still pastors of that church. And it's been growing and growing and growing. And the Lord has been doing tremendous things. In 2015, uh, the Billy Graham organization came to the Faroe Islands. And Franklin Graham was preaching. And uh, they approached me just as I am approaching pastors and churches here. And they asked me, would you like to, to participate in, in the and the crusade. And I said, yes, of course. Whenever the gospel is being preached, I, I want to be a part of that. And I just want to share briefly four things that happen, not only in my church, but really in so many churches in the Faroe Islands. The first, the first thing that I said, we would like you to just commit your church to begin to pray. And I said, well, yeah, we, we are going to pray. And the spirit of prayer came over our church long before they came to the Fair Islands because people took prayer seriously. And, and God began to, to do things in our church that I hadn't seen for a long time because people committed to praying. 
And as a result of, of that, we also said, well, we, we, we want to participate more. So they said, well, we have this course that we are teaching also. It's, it's called a Christian Life and Witness course that we actually prepare everyone in the church that is willing to come to be a witness for Christ. So our church signed up for that, and we took the people in our church through that. So long after they had left again the, the Faroe Islands, there was this army of people who had gained the confidence to go out there and be a witness wherever you are for Christ. What to say, how to say it, how to walk with a person that is not yet saved, and when he gives his life to Jesus, how to do the follow-up. And by the way, we are going to offer this course here also. Yeah. The third thing that it did was that it brought the churches together in unity. And when there is unity, there is power. When there are, it's, it's easy to, to say within a church or church group that is just like mine that there's great unity. But that's easy. We're all the same. In many ways, it's uniformity, not unity. But unity, when there's difference, different cultures, different ways to interpret some scripture, and, and different ways to, to do the Christian life, but we come together, there's power. And the fourth thing that it did is that it brought an army of brand new believers into the churches. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they don't speak Christianese. I mean, no, no wonder people think that, that we are weird when we go to somebody and say to him or her, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's like, What? Have you crossed from Egypt to Canaan? No, I live in Newport. You know, it's like... And these people that are brand new believers, they speak the language of the streets. They speak the language of the culture in which they're in. When the disciples, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, they went out to the streets and they spoke in 17 different dialects and languages. Filled with the Spirit. When a person is filled with the Spirit, he goes into the streets and he identifies with the people where he is and he speaks their language so that they can understand. But with the power of the Spirit, which gives power and authority to every word that they say to bring them to Jesus. That's the result of us committing to be a part of something greater than we are. And I just want to thank you for doing the same. If each one of you brings one, just one. You know, the problem with so many Christians is that they say, oh, I can't go out there because I can't save everyone. Well, of course you can't. 
but you can reach one. And if you commit to, to reaching one, building a relationship with that person, bringing him or her to church, or to the event on uh, June 14th, wherever the gospel is preached, do you realize that this church will be too small? This church building will be too small. You're going to the evening service. Well, you'll have to go to two or three, maybe four services each Sunday. You want to do that? Of course you want to do that. But really, it's up to you. It's up to every individual. It's not up to the leadership. They are the one leading and inspiring. But they can't do all the work. The leaders can't do everything. The church is a group of people led by leaders, but everyone is following the same leader, Jesus Christ. He has been given everyone gifts, everyone the calling to, 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 to be a disciple and disciple others. And when you decide in your heart that I will be one of those, the church will grow and the church will change. And therefore we have this little phrase in the Billy Graham Association called, I am Andrew. And I know that Pastor Dave has been talking about Andrew, so I, I'm, I'm not going to go into the details of who Andrew was, other than to say that he was a disciple of Jesus. And besides the lists, you know, with all the disciples' names, he is mentioned three times in the New Testament. That's all. Not many times. But there's a unity to all the presentations of him. And you can tell when, when you meet a person several times, you can tell by the way that he or she is, the way that she speaks, what their deep character is. What is their passion, right? There are some things that I can sit all night talking about. And then there are other issues or subjects. After two minutes, I'm kind of, oh man, can I get out of here? Yeah? Andrew was always, when he is presented, bringing people to Jesus. <laughs> presenting people to Jesus. The first time that we are introduced to, to Andrew is, in the, well, every time in the book of John, the first time in chapter 1. Let me just read the verses to you. John 1.35 says this, The next day, again, John, that is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. You know, how do you think that, leaders? People are following you. But then they meet someone else, and it's like, where, where did he go? And suddenly that person follows someone else. It's, it's, it's a test of humility for leaders, isn't it? This was a test of humility for, for John because they want to follow Jesus. 
But every healthy leader that's, that is a follower of Christ wants people to leave my leadership and follow the leadership of Jesus. And Andrew, he goes and spends the day with Jesus. And Jesus said to them, what, what, what are you seeking? And, and, and they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, um, where do you stay? In other words, we want to spend the day with you. So they spent the day with Jesus when Jesus said, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speaking and followed Jesus was Andrew. And here we see that he was Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. We have found Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter. Isn't that wonderful? The first time we see Andrew is that he, he the first thing that he thinks about is his brother. Oh, Peter needs to meet Jesus. And Peter comes to Jesus with him. And Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter. But you shall be Peter. Or you're, you're, you're Simon, the son of John. You shall be Peter. At that moment, Christ began to change the character of Simon into the character of Peter. When you introduce a person to Jesus Christ, what happens at salvation is that this person, wherever he is in the world, wherever he is in his heart, there begins a transformation in that person's life to become more and more and more and more like Jesus because you introduced him. Now, Peter was the known brother. Peter became the one who, who, who came close to Jesus. Peter was the one who, who, who experienced all these different miracles. Peter was the one who, who uh, experienced Jesus restoring him. Peter was the one who wrote two letters that have gone all around the world, inspiring the people of God to be merciful, to be strong in opposition, and not to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. All these things Peter has done. But who was the one who introduced him to Jesus? It was Andrew. And you might lead people to Jesus Christ. And you might think that your ministry is so little and everything, everybody else is, is doing great things. But the person that you lead to Christ might become the person that is going to do mighty things for God. Don't be so proud that you think that you only have to be in the first rank and then everybody following behind you. Andrew understood that I'm a follower. And in following, I introduce people to Christ. And then I give them over to Him. The second introduction to, to Andrew 
is in chapter 8, rather chapter 6 of John. And let me just, I'll not read the story. You know the story. There's, there's one miracle, by the way, that is recorded in all four Gospels. Just one. And it's this one. When Jesus feeds 5,000 men, now it's men. Imagine the children and the women. There are thousands of people there listening to Jesus. But there's no food. And you know how it is. When there's no food, there's trouble. Everybody's hungry. And the, 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 the disciples are confused. Well, how do we feed these people? And then a little boy is introduced to Jesus. And he has this little packed lunch from his mom to bring with him because he's probably been following Jesus all day. And, and a mother, of course, takes care of a child, sends him away and says, now you eat some. Right? Verse 8 tells us something wonderful. It simply says this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five, five barley loaves and two fish. Now, what are they so, for so many? So, Andrew must have been this kind of person, the, the warm type, I call them. Children are drawn to them. They are, they are comfortable to be with. Uh, when they speak to children, they, they go down to their eye level. It's always good when you speak to people to meet them at eye level. I know that you, I'm sure that you experience sometimes when you talk to people that they are kind of looking down on you. Because they are proud. Jesus didn't do that. And uh, Jesus says to him, so, so what, what is that? And he says, well, this, this is what my mom gave to me. And Jesus said, well, you want to share it? And the boy said, no. <laughs> it's mine. And Jesus says, well, that's true. You want to see what I can do with it? What can you do with it? Well, I can bless it. And I can feed all the people here with it. And he's like, no, no way. And Jesus says, you want me to show you? And he says, yeah, yeah, cool. And Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it. And then he tells his disciples to go out, distribute it. And afterwards, everyone was full. There was plenty, plenty of overflow, enough for everybody. And I want to tell you something. Because of Andrew bringing him to Jesus, that child's life was changed forever. He went home running to his mother that day, telling her the story of what Jesus did through what he came with. And I just want to praise you and thank you, Sunday school teachers teaching the children, the people involved in children's ministries, 
going into the schools and, and actually seeing the potential of children, seeing the potential of those that we think so little about. Well, they're just children. They, they don't have so much to offer. They have everything to offer. And, and the, the Andrew who sees the potential in those that we think have no potential are the ones who bring people who maybe feel like they have no potential to actually blossom and realizing that what I have, Christ can use. You know, there are so many churches that kind of show off their richness. But maybe learn to come together to celebrate our poverty. The fact that we have so little to give, but we give it to the one who has so much to give and blesses it. And he uses your gifts. You might be here this morning and you feel like you have nothing to give. You're in a great place. You just need to change your attitude from feeling that you're nothing to Bring that to the master who will take what the nothingness that you have and make it into something great. And the things that you distribute in the name of Jesus becomes a blessing for, for, for hundreds of people because one or two persons that you speak to and bless has a family who then again have a family and friends and it goes out like that, your blessing to so many people. What you do is important. And Andrew saw that in, the, in this little boy. And then the third time we are introduced to, to Andrew is in chapter 12. It says in verse 12 that some Greeks came to Jerusalem. It was a feast. It was Easter. And they said to Philip, Philip, uh, can you take us to Jesus? And Philip goes to Andrew and says, can you come with me? <laughs> it says something about Andrew there again, doesn't it? Philip probably has been maybe struggling with language, I don't know, or maybe not so comfortable with strangers. And he says, Andrew, you are really good at this. You come. And Andrew comes in, into the equation, and he, he greets the Greeks, and he says, now you come with me. And he introduces them to Jesus. Now, Greeks in Israel, which means they are foreigners from a different country in a new country. They are immigrants. They are refugees. They are travelers. They might be on a business tour or working for some time in Israel coming from Greece. But it's, it is the Andrew who, who, who sees these different things. He realizes that there are people coming from all the nations of the world. To Newport. And there are people working here that speak different languages, different cultures, different skin colors, different ways of approaching and, and seeing life. But I'm not going to make that barriers as an excuse to not reaching into other cultures. I am not going to look at skin color even though that is so unique, by the way. God is such a creative God. I'm not going to let language be a barrier. 
I'm not going to be different views of culture and different lives to be a barrier because in Christ, all cultures actually keep their uniqueness when they become united into one. Therefore, as a church, and I know that you are doing such a great, great ministry in this, in this area, but I thank those of you who reach into other cultures, who help immigrants, who embrace refugees, who understand that these people are here for a purpose. When I lived in America, I was involved in an international student ministry, reaching out into the universities and so on in the same city for international students because we understood that whether it's Chinese or whatever language, whatever culture, whatever country, comes into a place to study for a number of, number of years. They do not know Jesus. We want to reach them where they are so that they are introduced to Jesus, so that when they go back into their own culture, they bring Jesus with them. And they do not have to learn a new language. They do not have to adjust to a new culture. They go home bringing Jesus into their culture, speaking in their language about the King of kings and Lord of lords who one day is going to come back on the basis that He gave His life on the cross. And therefore, I challenge you to become an Andrew. And let's just take a, just a minute and a half to look at this little video that presents the way that we as an organization in the Billy Graham Association uh, looks at being an Andrew. Let's look at it. Every day we pass through life connecting with people. What if we all just stopped and looked around? The Bible tells us about a man named Andrew. Andrew saw a mission opportunity close to home. He went to find his brother and he brought him to meet Jesus. Thank you, sir. Your mission field, like Andrew's, is where you live, work, or go to school. It's who you do life with. Andrew left us an example of how to do personal evangelism. We can all follow his example by reaching the world around us with the love of God. Andrew spent a whole day with Jesus before reaching out to others. And even though Jesus isn't here in a physical sense, we can speak to him through prayer. And we quickly discover that when we pray, God changes people. Andrew looked for ways to cultivate friendships with the people in his life. He brought his relative to Jesus. And he brought children to Jesus. Like Andrew, we can look forward and begin talking with each person we're praying for about attending church and a grand tour event. Hey, man. How you doing? We can connect with them at the event. And afterwards, we can look after those that respond to Christ or begin to show an interest in the gospel. At all times and in all cultures, believers like you 
can be an Andrew. I am 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 Andrew. Will you commit to being an Andrew? That's the question. Will you commit to being an Andrew? And I know that you have done this already. But we'll do it again. Amen. I, I want to invite you to take out the card that has been uh, given to you. The I am Andrew card in the pack on your chair. And on, on the back of this card, it tells you the process of what it means to be an Andrew. When you, when you say, Jesus, will you show me the person that you want me to pray for? He will do that. And I know I'm thinking of just the person in my mind right now. And I know that you do the same. And on the back it says, you commit to praying for that person. So in your private prayer, you begin to pray for this person. And you know how it is. When you begin to pray for a person, you begin to love that person. When you love a person, you want to build a relationship with that person. And therefore you begin to share your life with them. Secondly, you begin to Engage your life into that person. And then thirdly, you bring them. Well, for us, it means June 14th at the ICC to the event. It's always good to have a catalyst or, or something that you can point to. I want to bring you to that. There's a lot of music and, and great testimonies, a big crowd of people. It's easy sometimes to, to invite people to something like that. But what we experienced in our church was, well, June 14th is a long time away. Can I come to your church? I was like, of course you can. So, so if this person that you're building relationships with says to you, well, well, can I come with you now? You don't say, well, I want to ask the pastors first. No, no, no. You bring them. Because the gospel is preached here. You see? And when that person comes forward... Now I'm talking about June 14th. There's, there'll be an actual invitation for people to come forward to commit their lives to Christ. If that person comes forward, you go with him or her to the front. And you get the opportunity and the privilege to continue that friendship. Now not only as a friend, but also as a person who disciples this new believer to grow in Christ. And you become lifelong friends. This is the way that the kingdom is built. In the Billy Graham Association, 85% of those who give their lives to Christ on, on the evening are invited by an Andrew to come. We spend a lot of money and time and all this on advertising. But that's not it. 
It helps, yeah, sure. But it's a personal relationship that has the impact. That person sees Christ in you. Then the next question is, well, how do I do it? Well, we are also here to help you do that. And this is, let me say this, it's important for me to say this. We do not come into a city to do things our way. We partner with churches that are already doing it. You are doing it regularly. You've been doing it for years, and you will continue to do it for years after we are left. But we just want to come on, on, the, on your side and say, can we bless you a little bit? And that's what we want to do. And therefore, we are also going to teach the Christian life and witness course in this church. Let me just introduce you to it in a little video about the course. I spent the day in the shade of a tree Thinking how we best spend this precious time that we've been given They are restless and they are searching for true meaning in life. This is a critical time in the UK. We must proclaim the gospel like never before. There's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there right outside that door that's going to hell. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? To support Christians in sharing their faith, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association developed the Christian Life and Witness course. It was a really simple way of understanding and how to talk to people about Jesus. The course explores how to live the effective and victorious Christian life. And I have more courage to stand up and witness to people and talk more about my faith and what it means to be a Christian. The course also seeks to empower you to help new believers start their own lifelong walk with Jesus Christ. The Christian Life and Witness course is open to all who want to learn practical ways to share their faith. For more information, please visit our website. So on the 29th of February, Saturday, 6 o'clock, we are going to do the course here. Sharing three simple parts to the course. The first one is, how do I actually build character in my walk with Christ? Secondly, how do I share with people the gospel? What do I say? How do I say it? And then thirdly, how do I follow up a person who comes to Jesus Christ? It's a three-hour course. It will start at 6 o'clock, end at 9 o'clock. And I look forward to seeing you. I will be the one teaching it, by the way. And, and, and uh, looking so much forward to it. But let me end. I could stand here all day. I told Pastor Dave that Paul was preaching until midnight. I won't do that because a man fell out of the window and died. You know? So I need to be careful. <laughs> but I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I shared yesterday at a prayer event that Jim Elliott was a great missionary, went to the Auke Indians in Ecuador to preach the gospel. 
him with four of his friends, at their first meeting with the Indians, they were all killed. In his journal, years before he was uh, actually on that beach, or riverbank rather, he wrote in his journal, he said, Oh, that God might make us dangerous. Oh, I pray that you will become dangerous. Dangerous people who pray. Dangerous people who evangelize. And when I say dangerous, I simply mean that you become the army marching forward on your knees in battle against the kingdom of darkness. In the name and protection and authority of the King of Kings, you go out there and you proclaim the gospel. And I know there are many issues in our lives, many struggles, many hurts, many scars in our lives that so easily become a hindrance rather than an opportunity. And you might be going through divorce or whatever it might be here. And you think that I will never be able to minister for Christ. But realize that it might be your largest and heaviest problem today that becomes your future ministry. That area that hurts you now becomes the area where you minister to people who are hurt in the same way. And you identify with them. But you're free. Because Jesus touched that heart that has become bitter. Or that has become hopeless. And therefore, I just want to say to you, as I pray in a moment, will you say to Jesus Christ, I will begin that journey of forgiveness. I will begin that journey back home to you. And let him do the rest. Trust him. Allow him. Open up to let him in. He cries with you. He feels with you. He feels in a way that nobody else can. It's good to have brothers and sisters on your side, but ultimately, it's you and Christ. Ultimately. And you are here today, maybe, maybe for the first time, maybe a few times. And you know deep within your heart that there is a separation between me and God. And, and the Bible has a very simple word for it. It's called sin. Sin has separated you from a holy God. And there was no hope for this earth. But God said, I'm not a hopeless God. I always have a plan for the children of my creation even though they had turned against me, I will make the sacrifice to bring them back to me. 
and he gave us Christ, the Son of God. Totally pure, the pure Lamb of God, as John said of him. He is here this morning, and he's telling you that I died for your sins on the cross. As we were reminded this morning, his body was broken under the cruelness of the Romans, but ultimately under the wrath of God. And his blood was shed for you so that your sins can be made clean. Actually, it says, so that your sins will be cleansed away. And God does not remember your sins anymore. He sees you as he sees his son, Jesus. He sees you through his son, Jesus. And you're pure. You're made right with God. But you must make the decision and say, Jesus, I've been trying to live my life on my own. I've been trying so many things. But I feel deep within my heart that there is something missing. And that missing is a person. And that is Jesus. He died for you on the cross. Will you thank him today for dying for you on the cross? Will you give your life to him and ask him to come into your life to forgive you your sin? And he will give you everything that you need to walk your life with him. Let us pray together above our heads. And I know there are people in this church who are willing to talk to you afterwards. And also during the week, if you don't have time today, contact them and talk to them. Whether you're hurting or whether you come to Jesus Christ for the first time in your life. Let us pray together. Jesus, thank you for coming together in King's Church, knowing who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we thank you that when you looked at the lostness of this world, you were driven by your compassion to give yourself to bring us back to you. And I thank you, Jesus, for the finished work on the cross. When you gave your life for mine, And you invite me to come into a relationship with you. And I thank you that you invite each one here this morning to come into a relationship with you. And may that person at this moment, right now, give his or her life to you. Step from darkness into the light. Step from death into life. Step from hopelessness into hope in their walk with you. And I pray for that brother or sister hurting, full of scars from what life has done to them or from wrong decisions in their lives. That you will just pour your oil of anointing over their body over their soul.
into their hearts so that everything that is hard and cold will begin to crack and with time to be washed away so that a heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh touched by Christ. I want to thank you for this church. And in the name of Jesus, I bless this church. And may your power, may your authority, may your love and grace rest upon this place. May the light of Jesus Christ shine out from the walls of this church into all the communities and languages and cultures of Newport so that the King of Kings will get all the glory in what is done in the King's church. In the name of Jesus, we all say, Amen. 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 Thank you. What an amazing word. Amazing word. Pastor Jogvan, thank you so much. I'm telling you. I was drinking, I was drinking that in. I don't know about you. Absolutely wonderful. And do you know, as Pastor Jogvan was speaking this morning, I was just reminded that that first moment when Jesus met his disciples, he showed them his wounds. And you know, the transparency of Pastor Jogvan's life, just to let us in and show us those areas of his life where he needed to show forgiveness to his mom. I know that that would have ministered to all of us, every one of us, in, in different ways. And then the Word of God, so rich, so rich that that word about the power and the authority you know it sends us out into our world you know knowing that Jesus has the ultimate authority I thought that was absolutely beautiful and then you know to talk about Andrew what a wonderful wonderful message that we've heard this morning and we want to be doers of that word don't we we want to be carriers of that word and I just love just how he broke the word down, you know, to each and every one of our lives. It matters not what we think about ourselves. Jesus has use of us, the master. You know, we might not be a Peter. We probably, none of us will probably ever be a Peter. But oh, what a joy it is to be an Andrew. I want to be an Andrew. I was so inspired. Thank you. Pastor Yogvan, and we are so excited that that word is going to bear great fruit. And on the 29th, I tell you, I'm going to be on the front row again to listen, honestly, to listen from this, from, from, from this man of God that has walked a very real road. He's shown us a little bit about that road this morning, but also to what, what a wonderful investment into our lives. Please, please, you know, let us use this opportunity. When you, when you think about the, what the Billy Graham Association is investing in, right? It was due to be in Cardiff, but it's in Newport. Yeah. Do you know what? Serious. 
I mean, you're not talking about tens of thousands of pounds being invested into, you know, this nation from this organization. And they won't give a figure because they're very private about that. They just want to bless the church. And, and please, every one of us have a responsibility. You know, please let us all be here. I know it's busy, and, but you know what? What other greater work is there to give our lives to than the kingdom of God, than the church? And you know, Pastor Yogvan is coming. He's going to train us. And I want us to be here eager and zealous. I really do. I'm, I, I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to be more effective with my life. You know, to win people to Christ. And what a joy it is to be able to sit under servants of God that, that, that are using their lives and have a great understanding of the Word of God and can break it open so that we can receive this revelation as well. Amen. Are you going to be here? Yeah, come on. Let's really put that in our diary and be here. Be expectant and be hungry. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity. We are going to bless Pastor Yogvan like we bless every servant of God that comes in and gives their life to us. We have received from his life and we are going to we are going to um, bless him and, and he's going to receive from our life. So right now the stewards are going to wait upon you and um, you can give if you don't if you want to give an IOU, you can do that. But let's bless this servant of God that has richly blessed us this morning. And once you've given, uh, you can stand and we'll continue to sing. But listen, let's go out into a week. Like Pastor Yogvan said, expecting to reach our world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. Have a great week. Woo!